from Alaska, Grim After Dark, starring John and Danny. Guys, the highest budget episode of Grim After Dark ever arrives on the scene to address the controversy we stirred up last week. Uh, we're going to talk about some pros and cons of streaming a large event. And we're going to dish out some judgment tokens, hopefully. I am a hydrocephalactic version of Quentin Tarantino, and even though we are a group of elitist neckbeards, it's still going to get pretty grim after dark. Now, my co-host today needs some roganation. He's a classic hairline, har high hairline Harry, if you will. This is Danny McDevitt. Yeah, oh look at gosh. You are was that now, a Danny. speed run? Unbelievable. The amount of, yeah, it's crazy how Val was able to, uh, to tweak that slightly so that it wasn't a ponderously slow descent from the ceiling. I mean, technically every week we do this show, it's a ponderously slow descent. <laughs> um, <laughs> but last week, uh, we shared our hatred of, uh, loud whying and our loves of insane gambling. Uh, mm. and one of our listeners on Twitter, Twitter did ask us this, I'm asking, is there a Patreon tier to make Danny wag at LVO? No, um, so, Danny, I do have to ask, is there actual Patreon tiers for the FLGN uh, Patreon? Uh, there's not a tier for that. Thank Christ. Because if somebody makes me pronounce, not pronounce, or like pronounce the hard G in that, like you just did, and do it in the first place, like, I'm gonna have I'm gonna I'm gonna have an aneurysm, I swear to God. What tier would it take for you to wag at your loudest? I John, I don't know. I don't want to put a price on it. Uh some things you can't, you know. They're just <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Okay, I want you to to look directly at your camera. Uh hard right here. Convince people not to subscribe to the FLGM Patreon. Uh, and make you wild. <laughs> John, my weakness, you're going to make me decline money? Are you serious? <laughs> What's your uh, price, Shill? <laughs> no, you guys should donate. Yeah, make me yell something or embarrass myself in public. It, it won't happen. I mean, it will happen. It'll totally happen. <laughs> I'll have to do it. Hey, at Alvio, I will embarrass myself in public just by trying to play this game that we all love. Um <laughs> That's not all, though, Danny, because tell us who's joining us today. John, we've really rolled out the red carpet tonight for a guest that you can't find anywhere and is seldom seen on the show. <laughs> tonight, we're pleased to welcome uh, the grandpappy of the FLGN, Val Heffelfinger. Val, oh. welcome to Grim After Dark yet again. I guess yes. I don't have to welcome you to your own house. Well, I don't know if it's my house. I mean, I'm not even in my house right now, but... <laughs> I do appreciate the tepid introduction. That's that's very kind of you to uh, sort yeah, of be interested in having me. The co-hosts to to truly reflect my laziness, uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but amazing Val. Uh, first off, I want to be the first to apologize to you. Uh, yeah. Last week, uh, Danny and I stirred up a lot of controversy. Some uh, we mentioned another podcast uh, uh -huh. in a negative manner. Mm -hmm. I may have added some personal attacks in there. Mm -hmm. um and well i know you didn't watch the show because who does but I mean, here's a picture uh i got it next on the slideshow of what we did uh are you sure i mean like i can press a button this one yeah 
Yeah, that, that one right there. We we made fun of Seth again. Right. Uh, we called him a meta. Ch- uh, we we called him a meta chaser. Yeah. Um, Danny, uh-huh. is there anything you want to say to that? Um, I mean, normally, if I felt like I was in the wrong, I would apologize. Um, but I but I'm not, so I won't. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to personally add. Uh-huh. This was all really funny to me of uh, making fun of Seth and calling him a Matta chaser. Yeah. Um, up until uh, last week's episode of Signals from the Frontline, right? Uh, where he told people to hug me in public bathrooms, um, which combines. I mean... Sorry, but please continue. Well, no, I just don't think that necessarily requires much encouragement. Um, and people are going <laughs> to hug you in public bathrooms. Um, that is uh, before Warhammer, after Warhammer, and during Warhammer. John, lo- John's looking for love. At the urinal, it does his favorite the position chasing. is little spoon urinal. Hug. That is his favorite. <laughs> so just if you can manage that, you're going to make him feel really comfortable. Oh yeah, really comfortable. It does combine my two uh, least favorite things, which is public bathrooms and being touched. Uh, so please, <laughs> no. Yes. Um, and then we we well, have that's to ask why Kyle, that's why folks. Uh, although it may sound good, uh, don't lose your virginity in a public bathroom. It'll uh, set you up for years of weird feelings. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, okay. it's a hate-hate relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are we forgiven for stirring up this controversy? Well, you know, we're, we're a show that likes to punch down, and uh, it's, it seems like you guys uh, uh, nailed it, you know, uh, uh, yep. last week. And um, I actually did listen to the show up until that point, and at which point my Canadianness would not allow me to continue. Mm, uh, so I had to I had to abort um, uh, before things got pretty hot and heavy. That being said, I mean I did kind of incite this this uh, this this uh, this focus on a uh, particular YouTube video um, by watching that one and um, perhaps uh, falling asleep uh, at some point during it. So I you know maybe set you guys up with a, with with a tonality that was not uh, conducive to being upright. Uh, you know, pillars of the community that I know both of you wish to be. I mean, your stature alone suggests that you could be yeah. pillars of something. Um, so, fun. you know, uh, live and learn. I mean, this is for some reason a satirical comedy show about Warhammer 40,000 and tournament Warhammer 40,000. <laughs> One of the widest demographics I think that exists uh, in, in, on the internet. Yeah. Is we took a narrow demographic. Yeah. And like, yeah. get rid of most of that. Let's narrow that down even more yeah how do we uh, specialize further i think yeah. it's really important that yeah. we try and really hone our niche yeah no and that's that's important that too i think it's regardless of what happens important that we realize that seth is a good guy he's not a power gaming meta chaser like we set him up to be last week <laughs> and this slide shows um that he definitely didn't list his votan codex for sale uh, right after the nerfs last week Sorry, uh, I meant to say he did actually list his Votan Codex for sale post-nerf last week. <sighs> but not before he did. His ancestor is proud, as we can see in this slide here, as he left a, a little grudge token uh, at Games Workshop <laughs> headquarters. <laughs> now I get that slide. I'm like, what the? what is the slide? Oh, I get it. It was Jokes. a good set. So for the podcast listeners, there's a photo of uh, Warhammer World with a grudge token uh, hastily photoshopped in front of it. Uh, there's now one grudged counter uh, on Games Workshop. That's important to remember. That's not as good as it would have been a week ago, but it's still funny. Um, I think guys, Seth was the grudge token in our hotel room bathroom when we were at LVO. 
that's son fair. of a bitch. He calls it a <laughs> yeah. hug, but really it's a grudge token. Um, that's right. what he gives them. Right. Um, sorry, sorry. Uh, Danny Val, we all have amazing partners who support our wargaming hobby fun. Uh, but I feel we know not to push our limits, uh, unlike this guy in this image here. Uh, mm -hmm. who, when his fiance said that <laughs> they could do anything they wanted for their anniversary, uh, he took her to a local games workshop store. Um, uh, and what I can only describe is playing on the sparsest <laughs> tables this side of a game store's first RTT. Now, we are assuming, uh, we, know, we, we, we are, I mean, we, we do see here a photo of a, uh, 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 a besmirched... Um, girlfriend fiance uh at a games workshop with uh one of those sideways thumbs up and just a real toothless <laughs> smile a, a grimace if you will um and uh, the Put person behind show. may or may not be uh the the oh. betrothed i don't know i mean <laughs> i really I hope that the it betrothed is. is in fact the person taking the photo and that the person in the background there was well perhaps they're a blogger uh, you never know. <laughs> they're in, they're playing Warhammer. They have a blog or a podcast. Everyone, knows. Oh, almost certainly. Um, but if this photo was taken by the the fiance, I do hope that he was like, "Hey, let me take a picture of you when you're at your absolute saddest at stage." <laughs> Look, yeah, but really compare helpful. and contrast. Look at him. I mean, <laughs> he is happier as than all get out. Like now he's that, moving. I might be wrong, but I think that's a game of Titanicus going on. That is a game of Titanicus going <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah, not even 40k, guys. Yeah, no, I will say the scenery isn't necessarily Titanic scenery, so bad job, DW, of ruining this people's anniversary. Um, guys, what's the closest you've both come to making a mistake of this magnitude? Because this is uh, a mistake. Relationship-wise? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the, the closest I thing I, I have to this is is probably um, just a conversation I had. And I think I must have told the story before, but um, uh, it went something along the lines of discussing Warhammer, uh, to which my wife said, I would rather die than play Warhammer. <laughs> and I said, but like, you'd you'd rather not live anymore. Like, you'd, you'd rather that your existence came to a close then play a game for three hours and she doubled down she said absolutely yes so i uh i know i know not to do this i know not to do this because it it, it threatens the very uh you know uh, not just the 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 marriage but the continued existence of my wife that's fair that's fair that's a lot of pressure to put on you there um danny what's the most understanding uh, your wife's ever been uh, about your hobby when i asked her to play on a tournament that was on her birthday probably nice and she let nice. me go there's a there's a warhammer fantasy there's a warhammer fantasy event happening at Du boys gt which i think is november 20th or so our our anniversary is the 16th and i haven't i haven't outright said hey thinking about maybe you know maybe hitting up this warhammer fantasy gt in rochester i like to frame it usually like now that i do streaming events all the time and i'm like traveling usually they're in like a nice place so I usually try and frame it as like, hey, you want to come to, in this case, checks notes, Rochester, New York? <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it's, it's a nice wife, place. That's a pitch. Is your wife just now instantly suspicious anytime you suggest a trip anywhere in the world? Yes, especially like second tier cities in the United States. Um, maybe even tertiary tier. <laughs> uh, guys, what's the biggest thing you've asked of your partner? 
uh, to support your wargaming habits. Oh, man. Uh, well, I tra- I was on the road like 10 weeks last year. That was pretty big. That's a lot. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn. Chat coming uh, in letting us know that I was a really sick Rochester burn saying it's a tertiary <laughs> city of the United States. Rochester. I'm wearing a Bill's hat. I got I got the upstate. I got the upstate uh, New York, Western New York street cred going on here. You know, we're fine. So, you gotta, like, I got to go to that Warhammer Fantasy Tournament because I was wrapping their hat on right. the show. That's right. You have to now. Next uh, no question. Did she start this next slide here, which is a change.org petition? Uh, which we know were always super successful. Uh, but after this fateful night, did she start a change.org petition uh, for GW to put lead in their paints to get rid of brush lakers? <laughs> <laughs> now, the brush licking, I actually, I, I never, I, I wasn't a brush licker until, mm-hmm. until I discovered the term brush licking, and, I was, and that kind of normalized the behavior for me. So now I will reshape the point of my paintbrush on occasion but before i would never have even thought of it yeah danny are you a brush licker absolutely yeah would you guys consider brush licking like your worst hobby habit or is there other things you do that you're like no i can't no one can know of this and then can you tell people about it (laughs) oh yeah this is way worse dude i'm not falling into your false choice dichotomy (laughs) get out of here with that (laughs) I mean, running running a uh, a 3D print farm uh, with in a room with no windows uh, in the middle of the winter, uh, and and just just really hoping that the whole like irritant uh, label that it's got uh, is true. Um, that was probably the dumbest. Uh, also, just every time I choose not to use uh, not to use a mask while airbrushing, and then get the black boogers. Um, oh. Wow. Black boogers are bad. Um, so yeah, basically a lot of a lot of respiratory risks taken on. Uh, True. By yours truly True. in the hobby. Um, I don't True. recommend either of those things. It's dumb. Uh, there's someone in chat here, I'm very concerned about, who says, "Anyone else start playing Warhammer to understand this show?" Um, <laughs> one, don't do that. It's not going to help. Yeah, God, not uh, worth it. Yeah, yeah, no, not worth it. <laughs> Just- just choose to not watch like everyone else. Um, <laughs> what is uh, a change.org petition that you guys would want to start to improve this hobby of ours? Oh. oh clearly that Games Workshop should stop changing their game so much. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I just blow the lead? We're not talking about any meat and bones. We're, we're really beating around all the old bush the, on this one, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, don't don't yell why at tournaments. I think that that should yeah, be that's one. A great one. Also, yeah, Danny, the cool. call out of the hard G as well is 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 just the insult to injury. I think on someone yelling why is yeah. that w- w- when in Eng- in the English language Dude. is there a gh that is pronounced? Is it there, drives is me insane. <laughs> like there are so Dude. many people that mispronounce it, and like I don't understand why gh like, is a glottal sound it right. adds a oh not yeah. a it's not a it's not a g sound you know right come right. on people baseball garden with the gh excuse me what so <laughs> 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 i live for the, the the half second of confion that i can put over <laughs> people's faces when i say that's what john shit. lives for guys that's why yeah, I live all right for. 
Uh, moving along uh, here. Moving along. Because <laughs> usually I add things I find funny or I can make a joke about or I find bizarre. Uh, but, but this next one here, uh, this one just confuses me. Um, it says, funny how GW's heresy lore turned to reality. How half their beloved and loyal fans turned traitors and started 3D printings. Uh, we are officially all heretics, guys. Death to the false emperor. Guys, and I do mean this genuinely. Wow. What the fuck does that mean? It's pretty simple, John. Um, we're dealing with an idiot here. And uh, <laughs> this person has somehow equated their lawless behavior with turning traitor, uh, which, okay, whatever. You're just, yeah. Anyway, uh, you're allowed to 3D print whatever you want. Who cares? Like, what are you bragging about it now? Yes. I mean, people are bragging about it, especially in places like uh, the forum titled 40,000 Reasons to 3D Print, which that is a very specific 3D. Pr I just have like 3D printing for 40 for Warhammer or Warhammer yeah. Fantasy. Like that is an even deeper subgenre. Uh, there's also the fascist free Warhammer 3D printing uh, forum I'm a part of, which leads me to wonder what why do we need one that's explicitly fascist free so maybe there well, is something here uh in this idea the one of, that is fascist full uh, uh like separate <laughs> it's only death core of krieg uh stls yeah, yeah that's uh, right perfect yeah uh you know first of all i mean we don't need to call this man an idiot i think he's just having a little bit of fun yeah. um you know i think he's just having a little bit of fun and uh you know I don't think 3D printing necessarily equates to, you know, swearing allegiance to some sort of dark god and then, you know, launching a 20,000 year war against your corpse dad. I think it's a little bit different. You know, the, the order of magnitude there, a little bit different. And uh, perhaps this guy just needs to, you know, raise his game as far as what uh, heretical uh, thought is all about. You know, I view it and someone with lots of experience of this is a joke that sounded really funny in someone's head that just didn't land right. Um, but I bet Danny, you there's at least a hundred responses to this because that's the way those 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 places go. Oh, yeah. Fair, fair. Uh, but Danny, why are people who 3D print really self-righteous? Oh, well, I mean, because they obviously they have a giant chip on their shoulder because they, I don't know, either don't want to or can't afford to buy Games Workshop models directly. So uh, they've definitely got they've got something to prove. So I don't know. They they think that like oh yeah I'm one up, getting a one up on this guy. Like it, it's 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 all a bunch of self righteous garbage. That's fair. I mean that 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 sort of does swing you know in both directions. So I mean sure. the the like the 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 hobby purists uh, you know the official or not because I mean this argument even happens between you know, third-party miniatures, you know, proxies and counts as, as well as 3D printing. It's existed forever in the hobby. Um, you know, I mean, where where would the guy with the uh, baby face Chaos Dread Knight be, um, you know, without some degree of righteousness to react against? I mean, well, it, would, it wouldn't be any fun making one of the most god-awful conversions that you could possibly make. I mean, I imagine, um, Val, there. that he's probably cutting up children's dolls somewhere. Right. Uh, like in a basement. Right. And That's what fair. better outlet for someone who enjoys chopping and dismembering uh, uh, dolls of children uh, than, than a tabletop war game? True. I mean, that True. is taking what is certainly a red flag and refocusing <laughs> it into something that's certainly a, a red flag. flag. Yeah. 
Uh, Val, you've kind of said there's not much uh, meat to the bones so far. It's all very surface level stuff. So let mm -hmm. me ask you Well, there's some big here. topics floating out there, but There is. Okay, then, then on the topic of 3D printing, uh, Mark stated that before a man can do anything else, he must first produce the means of their subsistence. So how do you feel the principles of Marxism apply to the modern 3D printing enthusiast? Actually, yeah, that is fascinating, because I actually did have a conversation with my dad recently about seizing the said means of production and uh, and the impact that 3D printing has on it. Because I think if anything, if there's anything that 3D printing does, is that it distributes or it distributes the production chain. So it may not be a threat necessarily to you know producers of things in the sense of people who create stuff that is then produced, but it does in certain uh, segments uh, reduce the need for centralized production and factories and so forth. So in fact, it is quite a freeing technology if the creators out there who are you know bringing their ideas to that market are open to the concept of no longer having control over the means or factors of production. Danny, you uh, rolled your eyes back so much, I thought you were doing your Undertaker impression. Your thoughts? Uh, no, I have no thoughts. I have zero Perfect. thoughts. Yeah. Um, Chad, by the way, going insane at the concept of Val has eyes, uh, which I think just... <laughs> Fantastic. The important thing to take away from what Val said about the decentralization of availability of, of products is that he has eyes. Um, it is important, though, to remember uh, the benefits of 3D printing is without the technology of commercial quality home 3D printing, we would never be able to print such fine items like these. Um, this ashtray of a naked woman that uh, you apparently extinguish your cigarettes on, uh, which is obviously an incredibly healthy way uh, to live your life. Um, or Thanos in a thong uh, sticking his ass up into the air, presumably uh, for a game of Marvel Crisis Protocol, uh, which does remind me, uh, coming this week, guys, or maybe early next week, uh, Frontline Gaming is releasing their first full-color <laughs> Marvel Crisis Protocol terrain set, and that's going to be available at frontlinegaming.org uh, to really immerse yourself in that Marvel Crisis Protocol experience. Uh, Val. <laughs> you had a thought on that? Uh, well, I think Sexy Thanos has a place in this world. Um, I do I do enjoy that, uh, you know, uh, it's not just, you know, sexy fill-in-the-blank uh, She-Hulk attorney at law, for example. Um, the fanfic turned actual show that I'm sure Danny watches every episode of. Um, not seen one. a class on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, like, th that's fine. I mean, I, I, the ashtray one, um, that sucks and uh, is trigger warning worthy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, is, you know, th but that is that is the Internet. I mean, the, the, the Internet and 3D printers in general allow us to literally create in in, you know, uh, in, in reality stuff that otherwise was contained by the, uh, you know, ethereal nature of the Internet. So an ashtray with a naked girl in it. Um, well, that's something that I'm sure has been floating around in concept for some time. And yes, one of the downsides of having 3D printing technology is now, well, that can be made uh, by people around. But you can also make guns. So, you know, there's a sliding scale here. That's true. And real Thanos uh, snaps his fingers to wipe out half the universe. Sexy Thanos. Dude. Clap those cheeks. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, John. You really nailed it. I was just going to go snap the thong. But, uh, you know, both those work. <laughs> just... 
<laughs> twerking to uh, normality. Uh, back to normality, though, as we head to the Crusade and 30K as the Heresy group, uh, Crusade and Heresy, uh, see that the players made Argotal take a risk by charging two giant knights. This risk did not pay off. Um, guys, what's the biggest risky play you've ever tried that, that actually worked? It worked? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got no brainer. No brainer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for, for me, it FLG. was, uh, uh, it, yeah, FLG, uh, that worked was the qualifier. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, it would have been uh, I, the, 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 the major that I won by default uh, against Adam Abramowitz. I had a, a, a very large gargantuan squiggeth uh, named Peaches, and I turned one charge. Uh, <clears throat> Adams hastily um, lined up um, Gilliman and uh, the squiggeth ate Gilliman and, and uh, killed him. It was fantastic and uh, should never have worked, uh, and it was wonderful. It was like one of the only times where I did something like that, and uh, everything didn't go terribly wrong immediately. Amazing. Danny, uh, what about you? What's a big risk you've taken that's paid off? Oh yeah, uh, probably asking my wife to marry me. Oh, yeah. well, that's that's fair. That's fair, because um, you know the risk with that is because you could like no, no. Yeah, the risk to uh, that was we were on vacation in Hawaii, so like, like it would be a real uncomfortable rest of the vacation if she said no. So, you know, because <laughs> of the implication, obviously she said yes. Uh, <laughs> you were on a boat. Amazing. Uh, oh, what about <laughs> the riskiest plays that you guys have done? Uh, that you tried that, that failed. Oh, yeah, that would have been um, later on uh, uh, LVO, one of the last competitive LVOs I ever had. It was, I, was, I was second for the Orc faction. Uh, I played someone who I immediately dismissed as a chump. I've told the story many times. That chump turned out to be the best Tyranids player in North America. He was using, <laughs> uh, he was using Tyranid Warriors. Um, and, uh, I, uh, charged with every unit I had, which I think were five or six of them and failed every single charge, leaving my entire army out in the open. And it was then picked up in the following turn. That was that. Wonderful. Danny, I know you never fail at tactical decisions. Oh no, I did. Um, I chose, uh, to bring a monolith to the last LVO as part of my you competitive did. You did do that. <laughs> I remember that because after every round, you were like, why did I bring a monolith apart from the last round where <laughs> you're like, guys, the monolith was awesome. <laughs> yep, but that, that, it was that time. Uh, yep, I went three and three. It wasn't even my worst LVO, but it, in my heart, it was my worst LVO. Because <laughs> you know you would have gone positive if you just didn't take Probably, a Probably, yeah. Um, guys, Golden Demon happened in the UK this weekend with the best painters in the world coming together to show off just a soul-crushing amount of skill mm -hmm. uh with, with former games workshop painter darren latham showing off his model before the competition that we can see here uh danny thoughts on this model i don't get it um that was the, the tweet he posted yeah uh showing that was his I model think he needs uh, to blend uh, a little bit more <laughs> seems <laughs> like the colors are a little chunky it's fair fair not a lot of delineation between the, the two different colors mm -hmm. there um val what are some of the more impressive painting techniques on show on this model here uh well just the the abstract quality of it i mean often uh, especially in the games workshop um school of thought we go for a, a kind of realism 
a, a heroic mm -hmm. realism, if you will, whereas this is a much more abstracted approach to painting and a refreshing, I think, a, a breath of fresh air as far yeah. as, um, you know, miniature painting is concerned. Love to see people uh, changing up or perverting or, or subverting, um, you know, the genre. Yeah, it's, re yeah, it's really cool to see someone execute slap chop so perfectly like this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sure. Slap chop is uh, much better than this. Yes, uh, the real winner of the event and the incredibly prestigious Slayer Sword was this gentleman here, uh, Chris yeah. Clayton, who looks incredibly dapper, uh, like a, a Portland Santa. Uh, and he won uh, with this here, this beautiful Thanos model. Uh, no, no, for real, uh, for real. He won uh, with this guy here. Wow, man. This amazing mega gargan. Danny, using the words that only you could do, uh, talk to the podcast listener. Uh, what are we seeing? Oh, all right. So you've got uh, the shipwrecker, shipwrecker Mega Gargant here. He's fighting a Charybdis. Now he's pulled the Charybdis out of the water uh, by its neck and has ripped off one of its heads, but it's still fighting. Um, and it's kind of wrapped around his leg and also biting his arm. It's such a cool model. And uh, in addition to that, he's pulling it out of the water and there's like an inch or two maybe of clear resin poured with what with wave effects and everything else going down. It's just, just a gorgeously painted model and uh diorama. Just beautiful. Yeah. And then I, have I have not seen uh Citadel water effects in the store before. <laughs> they do have it up on Warhammer community. Can you imagine the stress of that resin pour where you have this beautifully finished painted model and you're pouring the resin in and hoping it doesn't bubble wrong. Oh my god, yeah, um, dude. Maybe maybe well, they maybe, maybe he had actually only painted up to the guy's shin at that point. Oh, you can Honestly, see it underwater. It's that's what I'm saying. Painted. Is that he painted up to the shin and was like, "Okay, we're going to do the resin pour now." If it goes well, then he painted the rest of the guy. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. What you really not see is behind him there's a pile of just abandoned <laughs> mega carcass. <laughs> Now, uh, one thing I want to want to just say here is uh, now Danny identified that creature as a Charybdis. But yeah. Is that not a Hydra? Well, the Hydra kit from Warhammer Fantasy makes two different models. It makes the War Hydra and the Charybdis. Fair enough. Fair enough. The more Place you know. put it. Uh, Val, hey, boy. Dark Elves quality, is my faction, man. Uh, of course it does is. Does this level of quality inspire <laughs> you uh, to paint more? Or does it demo demotivate you incredibly? Uh, the level of skill that's on display. Um, neither, neither. I I'm, I appreciate that that like golden demon winning or even just aspirant entries on a level that I don't necessarily need to to wish something that I could do or would put the amount of effort in. We're looking at thousands of hours of work there. I mean that person's. You know that that person's hobby is painting to that standard and, and and honing the skills required to be able to do that. And there's literally nothing in my life um, that I would spend that much effort on. Um, and that does not make me jealous, nor does that make me feel like I will never achieve that. The reality is, I will never achieve that. So I'm fine with it, and I can appreciate it for how awesome it looks. And man, we all grew up flipping through white dwarves on the on on the toilet looking at the old golden demon entries they're a lot better now like that's yeah. something that i gotta say is like i don't know what what painting techniques and technology entered into things since you know we were kids in the 90s but like man um 
I guess it's airbrush. I don't, I don't know. Like, like the, the amount of, you know, almost photo realism that you see in some of these competition miniatures is just out of, just, it's just insane. It's amazing. Insane. I think the paints are honed more. I think that there's better brush, like people are using brushes that they weren't using before airbrushes, of course. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of, there's some technology gain here as well. Mm -hmm. um with some of the washes and things like that that they've been able to utilize and uh, techniques uh for painting three-dimensional stuff which really like you don't really think of that as a skill or an art form really in any other hobby at all like even like sculptures you don't use you don't seem usually painted yeah mm -hmm. i mean I, perhaps the scale modelers have come around to you know these more you know um well i don't know just the the, the diorama aspect to all of this yeah. Um, it's just absolutely gorgeous. So I love I love looking at all of them. It's I think amazing. they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Darren Latham though, no, not one to let things go. Uh, uh as we can see in this next slide. Um, as he uh deposited another grudge token <laughs> he was leaving, putting GW's total up to two tokens. Two tokens uh, almost in the danger zone. I blessed a hit, man. That's rough. Man, it's, it's terrible. Putting them in extreme danger. Guys, cameo. It's a thing. Uh, I don't know if yep. you are both a member of the Comp 40K group. Well, if I, I do know you're a member, and Val, I know you're an admin. Um, but this showed up on the Comp 40K group this week, and I really poorly cropped it uh, to share with you guys. So we're playing We're playing it with sound we're, now? We're playing the thing now. <laughs> Morgan, Ben, Scott, and Robin, you crazy, sexy bastards. Good luck becoming the top Warhammer players in the world. I hear Nerd Bar has GT on October 15th and 16th. I will send a personal congratulations to the winner of your GT. So sign up today. Here's to hot dice. Amazing. Hot dice and hot dudes. Wow. This uh, one's right. going out to Ben, Scott, and Robin. <laughs> I told you I cropped it awfully. Morgan. Uh, ben, oh. Scott, and Robin used adult film actress Katie Morgan. Uh, not Stifler's mom, Nidho66, uh, to promote their GT at the Nerd Bar on October 15th and 16th, uh, with the winner of the event getting a personal message from Katie Morgan herself. Guys, message, uh, not message. Yeah, 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 not, not massage. <laughs> message. Message. Um, Don't be fooled by guys, this man's <laughs> slow drawl. It's just a message, not a message. Um, where does this rank in price support for you? Uh, a Ooh. video message from a from an adult film actress. I mean, definitely is 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 targeting an audience there. I mean, you're really you're you're really pegging your crowd to a, a certain genre of 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 tournament goers. Now, I've yet to Google this young lady um, to discover exactly what her uh, body of work is, uh, but I'm sure she's a talented and accomplished actress, and I and I would be honored. Uh, to uh, receive a cameo of any kind uh, from from real. from her. Yeah, it's at this point, by the way, we realize that Val's wife watches the show. Um, but <laughs> no, 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 not the case. Although I will say that in in the early development of of this show, uh, John had perhaps what I thought was one of the best ideas for content that yeah. I have to share right now. I think it's appropriate because it's yeah, no it longer is. possible. No. because uh, the late great Gilbert Gottfried, of course, passed away recently. Uh, but the concept was, because he was on Cameo, was to have him read the first page of oh, uh, of the Horse Heresy. Uh, would have been great. Would have been perhaps, I mean, that would have been network making. But uh, like it all good ideas, it went like on the whiteboard. 600 bucks. 
and uh, and and basically that meant that Gilbert Godfrey had to die. Um, <laughs> anything on that whiteboard is going to die. Um, what is the whiteboard de- death note like? <laughs> Yeah, just just it somewhere is. in like his family's living room. He just erased from the photograph. He just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just can't find him. Blinded into the back. Iago's yeah, parrot um, is, is voiced by someone else now. It's very strange. Would you be more likely to go to a G, that GT after that video, Danny? I would be more likely to go to the GT after that video. I, I would treasure any kind of cameo that I received personally from anyone. It's a really special thing for someone to do for someone else, no matter how badly they screw up the message you ask them to say. That's right. Um, it's very intimate. But before we move on for no other reason, um, is I didn't pay for that. I won it playing Warhammer. A good reason to tell your wife you're chatting with an, a video, uh, video chatting with an adult film star. She just yeah. seems like a nice girl. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily know Katie does some pretty heroic deeds on film. Uh, you know, like you wouldn't know. I mean, she just seems she seems like a person who reads hastily written messages half absentmindedly and uh, gets most of the words right. That's that's right. basically okay. it. Yeah. What sure. more do you want from a cameo? Pro tip, pro tip. You can always say, uh, as this next slide shows, um, that it is just lime and medium stains uh, because. <laughs> If you're, if oh, you're watching wow. the video version of this, uh, that is how a lemon median dries in jeans. It kind of was looks he like painting Votan models? <laughs> I was I was saving that slide for a Votan joke, uh, but now we're going to use it for for Katie Morgan there. Um, guys, I was this, uh, I was doing some I was doing some static grassing. World. Yeah, I'm going to step right on what? your bit. I apologize. I don't. No, you're good. You're good. My bit can restart. It's scripted. Excellent. I was doing some static grass rebasing of some square bases over there. And uh, I, I've created a mixture of Elmer's glue or like white glue and water to like to, to use. And I oh. all and literally this afternoon was like, oh, shit, it's not it's not coming out. Squeeze it. And it jizzed all over the place. And I I laughed heartily at the, uh, the glue jizz that I sprayed all over my desk. Yeah. Glue. Uh, (laughs) if this is the brave new world we face then we here at grim after dark we're going to go all in on this amazing new technology um with something like this this pizza guy this pizza guy all right (laughs) i'm a luigi primo and i make the best pizza reese I need to uh, demand that you go to the Las Vegas Open and join the commentary team. Your friends, Peter the Falcon, <laughs> Rob from Honest and Wargamer, and Adam Camilleri are planning and accounting on you being there. Whatever you got to plan, you got to drop it, and you got to talk about the forces of a chaos incurring on the Space Marines and uh, how the Tyranids are going to take over the Arcanon cluster and whatever other things you're going to talk about. Because if they need you, they need you to call the action down the line. They're going to be rolling a handful after a handful of a D6. And only you, Reese, are the one who can talk about it. They're going to be throwing those D6s on the table like it's a pepperoni on a pizza. 
And believe me, I know about a pepperoni on the pizza because I'm a Luigi Primo and I make the best <laughs> over there. So, Arise, your friends are counting on you. We need you to join the commentary team so that you can help make a good pizza in the tactical wargaming experience a commentary. <laughs> I'm a Luigi. Okay. Um, All right. All couple right. things yeah. there. Yeah. Um, so that, that, by the way, was Luigi Primo. He is an Italian pizza chef-themed <laughs> professional wrestler um, who I paid to send a message to Reese uh, that the world is demanding that the commentary team for LVO is Rob from The Honest Wargamer, uh, Peter the Shifty Falcon, uh, and Adam Camilleri. Uh, I also, just, just for the record, I want to say, yeah. for the record, it is wonderful to see Adam Camilleri's name get absolutely mangled like that. Because there's, <laughs> no one, there's no one who can mispronounce the name quite like Adam Camilleri. Uh, or any word that's vaguely not like English um, just gets completely mangled by Adam every single time. So that was beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, sadly, something got lost in translation. He pushed for a four-man commentary booth with Reese, which, uh, no thank you. Um, <laughs> throw, throw there. Guys, I'm going to throw this out. Val, you're the creative type, Daddy. Uh, you too. What, what are your thoughts on this video here? I, that was great. I mean, first of all, a little little inside baseball. I was well aware that he actually had to re-record that uh, because his first attempt cut off his entire head from the frame, uh, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Um, so that, that just gives you the idea of the dedication of the craft that this gentleman has, which I appreciate because again, he tried hard. He also had someone filming him do that. So it could be a full bodied, uh, full body, uh, cameo. Uh, if you didn't see the footage, you should, uh, the man put a lot of effort in. He was wearing his pizza, uh, apron, um, Mm -hmm. and he had quite the delightful, uh, Italiano mustache. So I got to say, um, it was fantastic. You know, hey guys, this video will be going up. Danny, send it up to you. I'll be putting that yeah. up on the Frontline Gaming Community uh, Facebook page um, right. with a disclaimer that uh, no, I do, I do not. Uh, Reese, I love you. I do not want you on that commentary team. Uh, very clearly, wanted <laughs> that that three man booth. But who am I to argue with a a very respectful stereotype? Danny, uh, you were going to say. <laughs> Stop stealing. First of all, like just because I steal your thunder one time this episode, you've got to steal mine by saying that that guy is racist as shit. <laughs> I, I actually said he was very respectful. I've learned to not say mean things about people. <laughs> I have not. So he also like. <laughs> Fair. He also totally wastes an entire pizza dough. He throws it in the alley off to the side of him, like after like the first like five seconds of him tossing it in the air. I like so, that. Yeah. Like, he, I hope he's sunk costs in these videos aren't too much if he's using an entire pizza dough every single time he films one of these. Like, it seems like that might, you might not need to charge for that. Like, maybe reuse we, it once or twice. It's 10 or 20 cents down the drain. Yeah. Have we, Easy. Have we considered that there's him here? There's a person filming him here. Right. And then there's a person off to the side. His sole catching job is to catch the dough. Oh, so maybe. It can be reused for the next cameo. Well, then his overhead costs, he's really gotta he's really gotta think of that then. I mean, I think I think that, that that's a lot of employees for a thirty dollar video. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you want uh yeah, Luigi Primo uh to, to do a cameo for you, thirty dollars. Uh it was a very nice gentleman as well. Um, let, let me know he's going to be late with it because, and um, this is no joke, he was on a national television last Wednesday night. Uh, with the same <laughs> uh, what's up? 
What nation? The United States. In fact, it was also in Canada in some networks. Amazing. So we have the United States. He was on TBS. And I'm sure Incredible. Canada, I forget the network they're on in Canada, but they're, they're there too. But he was a part of All Elite Wrestling uh, last Wednesday night, which was Is that Billy Corgan's wrestling outfit? No, that's the National Wrestling Alliance. Oh, I'm uh, sick. This is Tony Khan's, uh, Tony Khan, the owner of the Jaguars. The, uh, the Jaguars, the, yes, 100%. The Jaguars. Yay. And also uh, Fulham, yeah, he has his own wrestling league now. Guys, this yeah. is not Grim After Wrestling. That's, where John that's, the, job, that's the job that Tony Khan gave his coked out son to do instead of run the Jaguars. Yeah. So, fantastic. <laughs> well, it's clear that his, his talent scouting is company. perfect. Yeah, it's good. Um, here's a question, though. We talked about commentary. Four-man booth seems unwieldy. Uh, Ray Val, how would you set up that booth uh, for a four-man? What, what kind of instructions would you give uh, Reese, Pete, uh, Adam, and, and Rob? Well, I'm going to go super deep cut here, and I'd say we just get Dennis Miller to round out that four-man four oh, booth. I mean, he did it once on Monday Night yeah. Football, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm sure his obtuse, weird humor uh, would play very well to the uh, warmer 40,000 crowd. And I bet you he's probably an affordable cameo get himself. <laughs> That's fair. And we'll definitely look that up because this is a well that's uh, uh, real deep. Um, okay, Joel Atkins, disappointing us all in chat uh, by saying that he's just a doe catcher, kind of like Katie. Uh, oh, but, no, no. Uh, if you were a professional wrestler, uh, Val, Danny, what would your horrifically, stereotypically offensive gimmick be? <laughs> oh. Uh, mine would be cultural appropriation. I mean, that's so you would just be whatever your opponent is. Exactly. <laughs> I I would probably go with uh, GW rules writer because I I tend to I tend to use that uh, quite a bit, uh, you know, as 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 a character and a characterization. So yeah, a GW rules, rules writer. writer. That's fair. I guess we're going to move on to our main topic tonight, which we we'll talk about for a little bit here uh, before we we head off and leave everyone here. Tournament streaming. That's kind of where, where it kind of came from. Uh-huh. Uh, the London GT oh. was this week. Um, as we at America look excitedly onto what we can expect to see in six months at Las Vegas Open uh, mm-hmm. from the European meta, uh, it wasn't really streamed. The last couple of rounds were streamed, uh, and the organizer stated to thunderous downvotes on Reddit that uh, he's going to allow my, himself to quote Tom Adrini, which I'm going to butcher his name like a Camilleri, uh, organizer of the World Team Championship said it's perfectly understandable. TOs cater primarily to their attendees, as it should be. A proper stream costs a lot of resources to manage, a lot of pre-event planning, and isn't cheap in terms of what you get in return for setting it up. Except to cater to the needs of those who feel entitled at home. (laughs) That's what's unacceptable, really. The sense of entitlement some people have that have zero notion of the amounts of time, effort, and planning that goes into these events that span multiple systems. If you feel there should be a stream, get involved, make it happen, reach out. Ask how you can help. Go to London and set one up. Try to be a positive force that brings change and tries to make a situation better rather than posting things like the ones above. Don't be a negative Nancy. God, that, that's our gig, though. Um, hats off to Zach and his crew for putting on an event of this scale. I'm sure they tried their best to get a stream going but couldn't make it happen this year for the span of the entire event. Better luck next time, hopefully. Now, who better to ask about streaming? Uh, than the man who even admitted earlier in this episode and what someone could say would be like a setup uh, that he spent 10 weeks on the road last year to stream Warhammer. Um, Val, uh, tell me what you're thinking about this comment here. 
So the thing that bothers me the most about this is perhaps uh, the idea that people who want to watch your event from home are entitled. Um, yeah. That is a sign, folks, that your event has reached a level of cultural significance that people who are not there would like to know what's going on. And I would also point out that when people who are not there want to know what's going on, that is a sign that you are doing something that's worth more than what people are willing to pay to just show up and be there. And that is, I think, the element of Tionis that uh, is, is, is perhaps one of the, the hardest things to break through is that you can only scale events to a certain... To, to, there, there is a cap to both the usefulness and the actual gross size that a Warhammer event can be. After that point, you know, you, how else are you going to start making more of it? And the way you make more of it is by learning how supporting and paying for talented individuals to come and broadcast your event to a wider audience. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep giving away some free advice here. When you do that, say you have other events that run throughout the year that may or may not be selling out. Maybe they are, maybe they're not, but you can use those streams to raise the cachet of your other events and to raise the profile of the game overall. And if people are demanding to watch, it does not mean that they're entitled. It means that they want to watch what the is happening so this is not something to be derided this is something to be responded to by supporting the many people out there who have developed the skills talent and technology to go out and tell the story of 40k games and so yeah i think i think tournament organizers hopefully at some point and i don't know who will be the first one to answer this call but um there was an attempt a while back to build the stream first and then the event and ultimately i think that is uh, where things need to go for competitive 40k tournament 40k to start growing into some big boy leagues yeah for sure daddy how did your view of lgt uh this year um how was that affected by the fact that there there wasn't great coverage of it i know um zach the, the organizer did some interviews on facebook live sort of like like valdo's <laughs> and flgn with events like in between rounds um okay. was the fact that you couldn't see the earlier games like a big deal to you yeah i have no buy-in to anything right so like why do i want to pay attention to the to the just to the absolute finale i want to hear about the story on the way to the championship i think that's what anybody wants really for any kind of large sporting event like that <clears throat> and so like if i don't know what the quest for the cup is why do i want to turn it and see the end like it's just it's like opening a book and turning to the end and reading the last paragraph to see what happened yeah, for sure. Um, and and more often what, what Val said there, Danny, um, are you more inclined to go to events that, that you've seen sort of before from afar, especially where you're oh, yeah. kind of cross-continental travel? 100%. I mean, I, I don't really have a huge interest to go to LGT, but like I, uh, I other, otherwise, yeah, I would lo I, lots of events that I hear about, I would definitely want to go. I would definitely want to go because, partially because you see the tables, you see the people playing there. It looks like a good time. You hear the stories from your friends, but like most importantly, you hear kind of what, how the event went. And if it was run well, like, and the train was good, then that's a place you want to be. I think a lot of the times when, and I, and I, this is not pointed at, uh, you know, the, the organizers of LGT, but you know, I have seen it um, in, in that particular context. 
and in others like Adepticon, where uh, streams are viewed as a risk or a liability because of things that may or may not get captured on camera. And I think what a stream actually does is it either makes you accept the risk of running a loose tournament and having bad things happen on your stream, or it forces you as an organizer to raise your game and yeah, to, to, to do the things that you need to do to protect players from shitheads who, uh, who try to do things to, to take advantage on you know, a tabletop, whether or not it's streamed or not. Um, so I think in a lot of cases, um, you know, stream skepticism has a lot to do with not wanting to broadcast bad player experiences, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a funny thing um, because I don't know the, the, the show is, uh, you know, if, if, if uh, the 40K LGT GT was not streamed, <laughs> did it even happen? Well, the same concept applies. Like if you don't capture on camera something bad happening, did it happen? The answer yeah, is yes, right. it did. Um Maybe maybe it wouldn't be broadcast and be as explicit to to people out there, but uh, you know, like that's no way to improve the quality of your event just by not having it recorded. Yeah, because all we're hearing so we are hearing some stuff coming out of LGT with Mikey from Hellstorm Wargaming streaming today about some issues he had during the weekend. I know uh, Manny Chima from Glassheimer kind of put out some issues that he had. Um, and do you feel, Danny? Uh, that there's more legitimacy to an event if there has that kind of like visual record that's capped rather than it being uh, almost hidden like this here, uh, like the post suggests. It's pretty hard to have total legitimacy without some kind of transparency. Yeah, so, for sure. I would say too <laughs> um, that, like, that, that streaming, like if you look at stuff that like the Honest Wargamer does, um, like his default stream setup is eight tables. So that's like, and each one has its own stream PC attached to it, top-down camera, dice camera. Um, so that's that's eight tables, your top 16, that has a record of what happened at that table. Right, right. So, I mean, and there's no reason also why we couldn't be in a world where each one of those tables uh, could have a judge watching remotely in their underwear or, or otherwise and yeah. uh, making sure that the game was played above board. So much has been made about the fact that there's just no way that we could ever possibly have, like they do in a lot of TCGs, you know, a ref at each table. Whereas, right. in fact, yes, we could uh, if we had a centralized pool of of refs or people willing to watch games, and they exist. Uh, uh, you know, for probably a nominal amount of money, you could have someone watching those games and making sure that everything's above board. So, right. streaming provides us a way to legitimize 40k tournament 40k and answer a lot of the main criticisms. I think that exists against why, you know, tournament 40 K can't be taken seriously. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you've been in streaming, you've been in streaming for 40 K. So it's pretty much like the, the start of kind of the increase and you've been a a big proponent uh, of increased streaming. And obviously your, your work with the network here has increased that even further. How have you seen streaming grow and change uh, over the years from when you started to kind of where we are now, where you're kind of ramping up for LVO 2023? I mean, just first of all, that entitlement, right? The expectation that there is a stream for any event that's worth having, there should be a stream, you know, and yep. there, it should be one that, you know, is accessible and easy to find. Um, you know, it's, it is, it's not a, you know, a luxury item or something that should happen. The fact that WTC this year, yes, they had uh, the, um, the, the French channel was there broadcasting the French games, but the fact that there was no central, um, you know, English language stream there supported and 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 brought forward by the WTC as a core part of the offer um, is to me kind of a, a bit backwards, a lot backwards actually. 
Um, these, these are supposed to be the marquee events that exist in our world. And a marquee event means that it's not just about the people who show up. Um, if you are, if you are offended by the fact that people want to, you know, take part and, uh, enjoy an event as it's going on, then friggin' find a way to charge them to watch. You know, that's also yep. something super possible. Um, find a way to monetize it, find a way to make the business model work. Um, but I think that the yeah, value five of the stream is- you gotta is, watch the stream. Yeah, it's like, totally that's, that's reasonable. I, I would pay five bucks to, to watch LGT. And even if you don't want to feel like you want to make money off of it, then just donate the money that you get from the stream anyway, and you'll get more pe- even more people to like donate into the stream to watch a tournament. Like- Come on, like there, there's so many different options that you have here to increase viewership. Like, and this is this is not the way to gatekeep the community out of like seeing some really high quality games. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, I just it, it, it's tough to say. I don't know who this was actually from the LGT. Wow, that's funny. Um, so yeah, I think it's maybe defending a, a situation where you know they probably wish they had a stream. I think yeah. I, I don't know the exact reason behind it. I can take some guesses, uh, but uh, you know they didn't have someone capable of of doing that stream on uh on on all of the days or they didn't want to have somebody there doing the stream on all the days i don't know which um but uh yeah i I think it 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 needs to be a priority and hopefully this this thread um makes that come through pretty clear that actually uh, this is not a matter of entitlement this is this is a sign that you know we're doing something that is relevant and people want to be able to participate no matter where they are in the world and I think what's important to, to see here, guys, is like at this point, streaming is, is almost like a, an, an advertising cost. It's just the cost of doing business for your, your giant event to kind of legitimize what you're doing. I know one of the, the reasons I wanted to go to LVO and the reason that I, well, that's one of the few big tournaments I pay to fly out of my state to go to is because I saw the streams. I saw the set. You can see the scale of it. I understand the idea of wanting to keep your event like unique and, and keep your event kind of exclusive and all of you want the full experience you got to come but you got to show what i'm missing um right. otherwise I, I don't i don't know what i'm missing there um I think, danny i think a lot of this uh, this too extends from a, a concept that i hope if, if there's something that has evolved over time it's it's this idea that like who even wants to watch a stream who cares like if we don't have a stream so what so like a couple people don't get to watch online well, like, you know, if you look at something like, you know, your average FLGN stream of something like the SoCal Open, which is coming up, you know, sure. we'll, we'll, we'll hit a thousand or so concurrent viewers, you know, probably on our, our, our third day, maybe a little bit over that. GW, similar numbers, maybe they'll do a bit better than that even on, on one of their opens. But, you know, those are some of the bigger, like, stream tournaments that exist. I'm not sure what Wargames Live is doing these days, but I'd imagine he's pushing a thousand or somewhere around that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a thousand people viewing from home of something like the SoCal Open, which has a lot of additional capacity to bring in extra players. Well, it's five times as many people are actually playing in that tournament. So if we don't think that the tournament itself is a waste of time, um, so just because it only has 200 people playing in it, which in our world is a lot of people. And by the way, that's a lot of people for really any organized tournament. Right. Um, you know, then we need we need to start realizing that you know a thousand people watching remotely that's a thousand potential tournament goers likely and that's a thousand people watching competitive 40k and realizing that this isn't bullshit that like people try really hard they know what they're doing they're not enormous assholes every time it does happen but hey you know better to have that in the open than in the dark mm-hmm. um you know so like it is a tremendous opportunity to grow the scene and especially in a situation now where you have 
so many very similar, let's say, value propositions, right? Where you have a, a lot of sort of GT level, major level events um, in every region, pretty much in, in all the main Warhammer markets now, there's a lot less reason to travel. So you got to find ways to make your event seem more, you know, interesting, more, uh, more of a draw than others. And I think streaming is, is certainly a way to differentiate yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, guys, coming in from chat, we're going to round up this episode here pretty soon. Um, the chat's bringing up the, the need, and it's been discussed a little before, the need for a pro circuit uh, for, for 40K. Uh, what are your guys' takes on a pro circuit, and do you feel that would be helpful in encouraging kind of like a streaming thing, like, hey, this is a pro circuit tournament, so it's going to be streamed? Danny. Um, yeah, so kind of to uh, relate to certain issues with ITC scoring and things like that, um, that you could have with a smaller event with like these top level players that may not be intrinsically exciting to them to go to, um, without some, in, you know, some in additional incentive. Um, you know, I, like the fact that we don't have like US masters or qualifiers for anything like that is pretty ridiculous in the first place. And you could just bump these off as kind of their own category of event. If you wanted to continue on with the same scoring criteria that you have right now, um, and, you know, change the algorithm for that particular kind of event, right? Like that was, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's, that's a good idea. Um, but I don't think you can implement it in the system and like keep the other stuff the way it is all the way. Right. So <clears throat> I think that there's, there's a lot of potential here to create something that maybe the common person has to strive for before they're actually able to, like I say the common person, come on, like a person has to strive for or actually like, now Danny's like a GT put up player. some you numbers. Listen to him. Right. Yeah. To put up some numbers to uh, to actually attend an event like that. I think that would be really good. So some kind of a pro circuit um, or master's level events, like even if there's multiple of them, I think would be really good for the game. Like Chad's bringing up the point. Sorry, that you shouldn't divide the player base more. But imagine how much more important RTTs would be if you need to reach a certain score to attend a specific event. And if this RTT, you have to place third or higher. So sure. you can go to this thing. Like, I think it adds an extra layer, but, but Val. Yeah, there's just no way in hell that you ever, ever see, you know, uh, a developed, you know, pro or let's just even say, you know, cash uh, tournament, um, you know, circuit or scene without a developed uh, stream behind it. Oh, yeah. Um, like, if, like people get their noise, nose out of joint when, you know, a football player, a baseball player, a soccer player, whatever gets paid X amount of millions of dollars. And they don't stop to question the fact that if someone is willing to pay them a million bucks to kick a ball around, how much are they making off that deal? And mm -hmm. what they're making off of it is the ability to charge people to watch them do that thing really impressively, right? So like if, if there is a demand, which I think we can prove exists, with no promotion, with no real budget behind it with no real effort from an organized perspective to to make streams a thing and there's a demand to watch it and we're talking thousands mm -hmm. you know it's not necessarily even tens of thousands at this point but certainly thousands and these are rarely advertised and i have to know where to find these fucking things pardon my language but like um you know that to me is 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 all the seeds that you need to be able to start saying well maybe we'd be able to find a sponsor for for real cash prizes maybe mm -hmm. we'd be able to develop an uh you know an audience that's large enough to support 
putting cash prizes that will help cover some costs for our traveling players. Yeah. Because these, the, the, we're going to lose them. We're going to lose the best players in this game to other either games or other facets of life because ultimately you know the the you know the itc points are empty calories they're not they're not helping justify the expense time and energy it takes to travel these things and be good enough to win them um so you know at some point we do have to start thinking about how are we going to raise the stakes um you know to to justify the level of competition that we're seeing in 40k now because i don't we get real snide about i think this game and about how good people are at it. And we also take for granted how hard Warhammer 40,000 is. It mm-hmm. is a tremendous game of skill. It is something, it is, it is a wacky amount of effort and, and um, to, to be very good at this game and also takes unique skill sets in that individual to be good at this game. So these are things that could easily translate to engaging and in interesting broadcasts that would draw people in because when you start to find out what it takes to play this game, let alone at a high level, um, I find that that's, that's an interesting hook. And you yeah. add to that, the, 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 like, I mean, there was like a LGT talk show thing that, that, I, that I caught a glimpse of, but just, just the, 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 the image of the tables lined out in that, in that arena. Um, for me, one of the things about broadcasting LVO was always like, we got to get a picture of just the mass going on here. How many people are doing this? Um, there's so much that's marketable about playing Warhammer 40,000 at a big tournament that to say that, you know, a stream isn't worth doing is really nearsighted in my view. And, uh, I hope to be able to win this argument in a big way, uh, you know, in the next year or two. And I know that there's guys out there, you know, living, you know, like walking this talk, right? Like, like Joe, Joe from Wargames Live, um, uh, you know, Rob at, at the Honest Wargamer and, and, and T-Sports Network, those are guys who have dedicated a good chunk of their lives to bringing games to people and are developing big audiences for our world um, to come and watch those things to the point where it's becoming an expectation that they're streamed and they're streamed well. So yeah. that's fantastic. And again, just to, to, to round this out here, um, uh, chat's bringing up some great points. Yeah, invitationals still, still are a thing. So, so there is those exclusive events. But then there's the favoritism uh, argument, or you're just doing this for this person. We're talking about like earning your way in. And I'm going to leave this broadcast here with this last thought of, of using football terms, which I, I am a pain to do because I don't know anything about it. But if you could imagine uh, the owner of the Buffalo Bills, just to, to take off of Val's hat here, uh, saying on the internet, broadcasting this game uh, wouldn't be fair to the people who attended it. Um, that Bad sounds- example. The NFL actually black out blacks out the game in their local uh, in their in their. Well, local I area. don't know, but yeah, just that like, you're not going to agree with sport by hiding it, uh, putting up as being an exclusive thing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fine. We we can finish by screwing up a, a metaphor. That, that's how it's going to go. Um, guys, what an amazing show. Uh, we didn't even touch Votan, uh, unlike Games Workshop. Uh, but we'll be back next Monday. I'm just gonna. Uh, I, go I just. Need, I. I almost did a hot take on that because there's. I, I. I. So I'm gonna speak out because I don't know the next time I get to talk into a microphone. Uh, Probably next week. The uh, maybe next week. Uh, the the, the <laughs> backlash against P, like this idea that GW should not fix its rules when they get it wrong. Actually, I'm gonna. I'm not actually. I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna say what I wanted to say when I first saw this, which is the GW nailed the tone as far as I'm concerned as to how they needed to address that that balanced data slate. In the sense that they came at they came at it from a, a position of 
not taking themselves particularly seriously. So they made they made jokes. They brought out their uh, their James Workshop guys, and they were funny about it. But they were also serious in the sense that they knew people would be pissed, and so they they legitimately apologized. I've seen I've seen a lot of comments along the lines of uh, GW stop apologizing. I would like someone to point me in the direction of an apology from Games Workshop for anything. I would like to see yep. I would like to see a situation where Games Workshop took accountability, let alone in a well-produced video that, that took some some forethought and ingenuity to make, but took accountability for screwing something up. Because I don't think it's existed. Certainly didn't exist for their app. Certainly hasn't existed at various levels and and and, and moments along the way in, in ninth edition. Um, this was, I think, the right way to handle things. And to see a negative backlash against it, again, not taking themselves too seriously, but taking the game seriously, because we take the game real fucking seriously. Yeah, we do. So to say that we got it wrong, we're sorry about that, and we're going to do our best to fix it, that's the right way to handle it in my books. And I don't know can what I, this I stuff is on the internet that, that's, that, that thinks rather, otherwise. Rather than wrapping this up, I'm going to share my issue with it. Because I personally, okay. I, didn't, I didn't like the video. I didn't think it was appropriate. Because... Much like, and this is going to be stuff we're referring to on the whiteboard, early Grim After Dark, I wasn't a huge fan of the massive tonal shift in the middle. So we'd spend the first 30 minutes making some jokes, riffing on the community, and then at the halfway mark, bang, serious interview time. And the tonal <laughs> shift was jarring. Uh, the tonal shift was bad. And we have this video where we have some grand, man, I love James Workshop. Some of his lines that oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm only supposed to be alive on Christmas was tragically funny. Um, <laughs> the, I know I've never written a codex. Nope. It's fine. Like it was all very funny stuff, but then to instantly do that huge tonal shift um, to Eccles and Trot to be like, yeah, we're sorry. We screwed up. <laughs> that made that apology not hit for me uh, because right. like you spent the first two minutes making fun of it. And then you're like, yeah, we're sorry. It's like that BP apology all over again. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I've seen I've I've seen non-apology apologies before, and that that didn't feel like one. That felt like one where they they were trying to be creative in how they deal with this. Because it's also, I think, it would be tone deaf to come out there with with you know the, the same music that you know backed all of the uh, you know funeral services for QE two. And talk about how what a tragedy it is that they they screwed up their their Votan release. That also is not appropriate. So I think tonally you need to have both. You need to have a tongue in cheek because this is ultimately a game that we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously about. But it is a game that we do take seriously. I think that also is something that, from a broadcaster's perspective, is is something that I hope that we can nail. Is you know the the good natured element of of you know. Um, of, of the people that play this game and you know how much you got to do to be good at it. But on the flip side, just how serious it is and how hard it is to do this. So like with, with the particular example of, 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 of leagues of Votan and um, them getting it wrong. I think this, like I said before, is, is exactly the right way to handle it. Danny, I don't know. What do you think? Did you, did you, did it, did it strike you as genuine or was it, Oh, one last thing. All these people about the bait and switch. I saw the bait and switch stuff in chat. Guys, you can return oh. shit. You can return shit, guys. All these people who are like, well, they sold everything, so now they're just going to nerf it all the hell. You can return it. If you think that suddenly the Votan are no longer worth your money, which, by the way, they weren't worth your money before because it was bullshit, um, <laughs> you, can, you can just get your money back, guys. Like, I don't know if you realize this is something that, right. that, that modern capitalism has is the refund and exchange mechanic. Uh, 
that you can present your bill of sale to the retailer and say, actually, I've changed my mind. Give me my money oh. back. Here is your stuff. Actually, you can't if you've already opened the box and clipped the models out of and started building them. So, oh like, yeah, and, you know, ignorant of the fact that this was coming because you well, know, we haven't. I don't know if fucking... like okay. To be fair, this has never happened before where we've gotten something like this that's happened before the codex is released. So, in my opinion, I think that this was uh, probably a little bit premature. Like, I think that you need to see data on this stuff before you start making sweeping changes. So, I don't like the precedent that this kind of change sets uh initially so so danny in your in your yeah. opinion votan yeah. strong or not strong votan oh they're definitely strong and they need to have fixes but i think that you need to support those kinds of changes with data and not just make changes true, true or false our path. community is advanced enough at this point that we know when something's completely busted false you think that's false i think that's false okay what would be an example where the community got, and I'm talking about like, not, I'm not just talking about the community at large here. I'm talking about people who perhaps know what they're doing, got okay. something completely wrong. What, well, what do you, what do you mean? I mean, you're, you're asking me to build an example out of the air. I, I, no, what I'm I saying mean, like, if, if we're saying all that the, all the other, all, look, all the other changes that they've made in this respect have happened after we've seen, after we've seen the results of this. So, but I don't if think we use, if we use Dracari as an example, we use Dracari as an example. If we use Dracari as an example, I would say things, okay. outlets like The Art of War and probably, you know, Glass Hammer Gaming and those guys. Well, first of all, they all switched to Dracari. Second of all, that's probably a, a canary in the old mind trap. Sure. Uh, and second of all, they were probably telling us in explicit detail to all their subscribers exactly why they were so busted and overpowered. Okay. Uh, I think we all knew about Ruck Track Squig Buggies or whatever the fuck they were. Um, well before they hit the table as, as to the toxic impact that they were going to have. I think the concept well, that, mean, that we can't the see this coming, that there's nothing we can do until we have hard data, it feels a little disingenuous. Okay. I, I mean, I just, I, th I think it's, a, I think it's important to collect that. And I think, I mean, it, we're, we're continuing to collect it on codexes that, that have been fixed that aren't, aren't fixed yet. So right. like, what's, what, what's the point, what's the point on collecting data at all then at that point, if we've got it all figured out? Well, I mean, now we're going to keep collecting data and, and we'll see how close. So they how do you overcorrect them? Because now we've locked this codex in to these point levels for at least this time period. So they're not going to get a fix in, in a week or two weeks, whenever the data slate updates, we probably won't get them fixed in three months because we, you know, there won't be enough data. So what if they're bad for another six months? I, th I just, I think, I think that's a bad idea. I think it's okay to let something be good or too good for a little while before releasing a patch. I think it's important to let stuff release and see, and see what, what the meta does. Do you guys feel just to kind of jump in here with a hypothetical that we should move to a beta system uh, where stuff is released <laughs> in a way where like, Hey, these are experimental rules. I mean, uh, yeah. They didn't we, do like, this right with this at all, right? I mean, no, like that, and like that's that's the thing. So I don't know. I'm not even talking about playtesting, but kind of releasing a rule set to the general public. I'm like, hey, these are what we're thinking of for these rules. These are not legal for tournament play. These are not legal for RDC. Give them a shot. You think that's that's something that should be tried on, on kind of a wider scale? I mean, they did that with sisters. They've done that sort of whenever they don't want to commit to something per se. Um, I, I don't know how valuable that is necessarily. I just think like 
I mean, the the gro- the last time I knew what was up, or at least felt like I even had a finger on the pulse, would have been something like Iron Hands. Like, and Iron Hands came out, very similar alarm bells were rung. In fact, they were rung months and months in advance. The new Space Marine Codex in the end of 8th edition um, was, was widely rumored for a very long time to be, you know, meta-breaking. And as a matter of fact, they were. And yeah, sure. And, and, they, and it's they were, weird we didn't even find the most powerful build until four months in. Well, that was after a lot of the far more powerful builds were were, were deleted from being think able that's to be true. done. I don't even think that's true. None of the things that were nerfed in, in none of the things that were nerfed in the Leviathan build were things that were that were changed at all. So that's correct, but options options that were ridiculous were were removed from existence. Um, so I think that that is that's probably what allowed for some ingenuity on the layers of busted shit that was in that book. But we don't have to argue this. All I'm saying is like we knew it was busted. And we predicted that it was going to be completely dominant. But you didn't and know it how. it had to happen for months. <laughs> but you didn't know how. That's the problem. Like the, the Broviathan build was better than anything that would have been released. That was any any build that was released until then. Like the combinations of like wound, ignoring, and layering was insane. It's so much better than even, than, than even it was before. Like... <laughs> The half damage right. minus one damage dreadnought is like nothing compared to having to layer it through like two sets of invulnerable saves plus feel no pain. Sure. Two 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 things here I want to throw out just, just to round Go this ahead. up here. One, uh, chat on fire again. Uh, irritably perplexed Annie is best Annie. Uh, is something I can very much get behind. And two, let's just burn it down. Let's start again. Like codexes. <laughs> probably gone. Oh, the Falcon Game, gone. Uh, let's just start again. Uh, you get an index, and there'll be two indexes: uh, Chaos and Imperium. The rest will be twenty. I can't wait. Um, I, I, and I just, Danny, the reason why I'm going you is because uh, I, I just I believe concept. in the best players. Okay. And I think that, I, and I consider your opinions to be amongst uninformed players' opinion, wow. and that I think that there's no reason why we have to have low self-esteem about this and we can see bad outcomes coming we can do something to avert those bad outcomes maybe we don't get them all and, and i agree with you we won't necessarily get them all but revivathan you know was something that dominated a, a, a tournament and then some before the pandemic hit but like like we they were able to take the edge off of other builds and to the point where that you know uh, you know um iron hands weren't the only thing being played at lvo that year uh, there were mm-hmm. other options, even though ultimately Revivathan was determined to be obviously very, very good. And so yeah. that's that's all I'm saying is I, I don't think we need to say that, you know, we can't tell when something is going to be particularly destructive. I, I mean, look, I'm not saying you can't tell. Like, we all know that fi- that changes need to happen. But I think that we need to compile data about what changes need to occur. Like, we can see, obviously, some stuff right off the bat is broken, but I just... I don't know. I just don't like knee jerk stuff. And I think it provides like a, a really, a really poor precedent for people to make changes based on bitching. And this isn't necessarily just from top minds. I mean, okay, top minds tell everybody mind. what to think in the group think is crazy sometimes. Yeah. With what's good and what's not. Yeah. Yeah. The art of war groupies are a powerful force. But they're not the only uh, ones. I mean, they're they're, they're not true. the only guys who know how to play this game, right? Like, You're right. Um, and they're they're and I just I'm just saying, there's lots of people who have a pretty good, strong, informed opinions, and we could when when something's giga messed up, like like perhaps this particular one was. I think the right right call is to do something out of the gates, and I, you know what? You 
I, I'm going hard with you because I think this conversation we're having right now, Danny, is a common, it's still, I think, a sure. common sort of cleave in, 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 this, in this community about how to handle busted stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Because the, uh, you know, the um, uh, play, p- playing to win, uh, the, the e- e-book that uh, shaped a lot of my views on a lot of the stuff would say exactly what you're saying, Danny. You don't touch it. You let, you let, people, fucking, you let people figure it out. And if everyone mm-hmm. chooses Chen Li, everyone chooses Chen Li. Then there's a real, there's a even bigger problem than we thought before, than there, than there was before. I feel like I don't know, I don't know, but like, yeah. and and maybe that's what this codex was, right? Uh, like I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not better than like Iron Hands or something like that. It's very possibly that's the case, but I'm always going to choose the more conservative approach if I can. What we there. need is something in between Iron Hands uh, and Botan, a uh, middle ground, if you were. <laughs> Um, and what you can't see, uh, what you can't see, uh, if you're, you're listening to the podcast is, uh, Danny has slowly placed three grudge tokens on Val, uh, throughout <laughs> <the> <laughs> um, guys, what an amazing show. We'll be back next Monday. Val will probably be back next Monday. I'm getting pretty lazy in my old age. Uh, we're going to go over something, uh, probably interesting. Uh, there's a lot to go on. This is a busy couple of weeks. Uh, we'll hit the highest highs in community, the lowest lows. Maybe there'll be another Patreon. Oh, no, no, the Patreon. Cameo. That's what we were doing. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, maybe there'll be another Cameo. Who knows? Uh, but thanks, everyone, for watching. Uh, and as always, it's pretty grim after dark.